Welcome back to the special anniversary edition of the Comedy Store Doorcast. I am your host, Luke Schwartz, and uh, coming up later is a very special guest, former door guy. Um, you can come see all the door guys perform at every other Wednesday in the belly room. For And if you mention the Doorcast, it's free. You get in for free. And if you tip at the door and mention the Doorcast, we will shout your name out on this podcast. As always, shout out Mike Z, uh, Shannon and Big Bad Brad, always tipping and showing love, and uh, Gino from Speedweed. And uh, this was a really good episode and a lot of fun for me, and it was a big privilege. You can follow me uh, at Luke Does Stuff on Twitter, and I'm on Instagram too. Help, 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 help. I know it's stupid, but uh, that's how it is. Um, come check out the Comedy Store Mondays and Wednesdays, but we're open every day. And uh, this is the interview with Mark Marin. It's it's always good that to come over to the side of the mountain and have to drive back at peak traffic time for <laughs> I build my life around not doing that. Well, uh thank you for uh -huh. driving against peak traffic and uh welcome back to the Comedy Store Doorcast. I am your host Luke Schwartz for a special anniversary episode. Yeah. Uh, our first anniversary. Uh I'm proud to welcome former door guy Mark Marin. Thank you, man. So wait, this is the first anniversary? Yes. Oh. I've been doing it a year. You couldn't get Harris Pete or uh <laughs> I don't think anyone can. <laughs> I think he's That was always the problem with Harris. Of, I think he's out of touch. I never met Harris Pete, but I Oh, uh, he was around. Yeah. Who were the, you couldn't get uh who were the other you couldn't get well Kennison's dead, Carl's dead, yeah. Schubert yeah. was a door guy. Some yeah. door guys that I worked with, I don't know what happened to him. I was thinking about that today. I that's that's in my in my list of questions. I have a litany of okay. stuff. But we spend a lot of the time, uh if this is people's first episode, which I assume it's a lot of people's first episode. Um we, I talk about I work here at the comedy store as a door guy. Yeah. We talk about uh mostly like this week at the comedy store. It's real inside baseball mm. gossip about stuff, but this one we're gonna dig a little deeper and probably into the past because So you just have other door people on to talk shit about the last yeah. week? Yeah. It's oh. it's pretty fun. It's like gossip oh, it's like okay. bitching about work, but it's I think recorded. I miss all that. I like I don't hang around long enough. Now that I'm smoking cigars again, apparently Yeah, you've been fun in the parking lot. Yeah, recently. apparently I'm told cigar mark's more fun. Cigar mark is a, a character that we all have been I hear enjoying. Cigar Markle tell stories about the 80s if yeah. you get him going. Or even, and the good stories are about comics now, and you're like, I fucking hate that. Mm. <laughs> or, or or the surprising one where they go, no, he's good, actually. Yeah, yeah, he's all and right. like, who is what? this guy? Wow. Yeah. Um, so when did you first hear about the comedy store? Was it when you were a kid? Was it when you started comedy? I don't think so. I think like I always wanted to be a comic and I did a little bit of it in college, but I never really, I don't think I had any sense of the comedy store. I, I think I knew about the improv a bit and I knew, um, I knew more about what was going on in New York, uh, when I was in college and stuff. Mm -hmm. I knew that Catch a Rising Star existed, the comic strip. Cause I remember being in, in college and I'd go see, I remember seeing shows at the comic strip. I remember seeing, uh, Eddie Murphy at the comic strip wow. and Paul Reiser at the comic so strip. He, Eddie Murphy must have been like 18 or He was 20. younger, was he you know, and I don't think he was, uh, he hadn't broken yet, mm -hmm. if, if that's possible. I don't know. But do you remember when he was on SNL? So this. It was like, he was like 20, maybe. Right. Maybe but what younger. year? Because like, uh, I remember I seeing him because we would, I would go down to New York from Boston sometimes because mm -hmm. you know, I went to college in Boston. I remember asking, being curious about comedy and asking Paul Reiser. Mm. who was in Diner at the time, and that's yeah. where I first saw him. Yeah. But he was a comic. 
at the comic strip, I said, you know, he was sitting in a booth there and I said, well, I really want to do this. What, what do I got to do? And he was like, well, you, you know, you just got to uh, do it. <laughs> Great. Thanks. That's very helpful. 80 to 84. What yeah, so that's when he was on SNL. Producer John, yeah, four years, eighty to eighty-four. Yeah. So I must have been on, you know, in high school when I saw him there, huh? Because I remember going to Dangerfields, which I never worked at. I worked at the Strip, but wow, Dangerfields! That was uh, that turned into a bad. I I used to bark in in Times Square for stage time. I was barking for Ha for Broadway for Broadway for, for Al, Al Martin. Martin. Yeah, no shit. Yeah, was that what Catchy turned into? No, no. Broadway was never anything. He eventually, I think, got the rights to use the improv name. That was the one downstairs. Yeah. The, yeah, that was nothing. But he had that other place on 23rd that was the New York Comedy Club. Yeah, that, he that was sold. nothing, too. Uh, it was a weird-ass place. And now it's cool. Is it? Yeah, it's actually really good. Like he always had a broken mic back there, and then he tried he'd do comedy in that front room, which was, he seated like four people. No, that's the bar area now. Yeah, no, there was like he had the bar where Steve, what's his name, was always sitting at the cash register okay. with the George Foreman grill, and then like you know, then there was the hallway with the sliding doors on the bathrooms. This is disgusting. And yeah. then just to the left, yeah. the, he built a room out of what must have been a closet. It literally seated like fifteen people. But uh, that was always, you know, he was like the king of the B rooms, Al Martin. Yeah. He had a place in so. Boca for a while that oh, I went really? down and played. That's, yeah. That makes sense. And somehow or another, the weird, dingy, shitty B room vibe he was able to create anywhere. Um, <laughs> so but, you hadn't heard of the comedy store at this point? Well, I was in college and yeah. I, I knew I wanted to be a comic. Yeah. So, and, and I'd, uh, I'd been in a, a comedy team with my buddy Steve Brill. We had written, tried to get, you know, I don't know, we we won a contest or came, we didn't win a contest, that's wrong. We- uh, Placed? No, it was this thing, Comedy on Campus. It was HBO was doing it through Catch a Rising Star, and we put an act together uh -huh. to audition for it. It okay. was hosted by Joe Piscopo. We didn't get it, but we were told, and one of the people that booked it worked at SNL. So mm -hmm. we were told we could, you know, do our act at Catch a Rising Star in New York, but also had a connection at SNL, so we wrote a bunch of sketches and, mm -hmm. and submitted them somewhere, but nothing ever came of it. So when I graduated college, I moved out here. and uh, Oh, before New York? Yeah. Okay. So you did yeah. New York after the store. Oh, yeah, way okay. after. So the trajectory was I, I graduate college. I've already got a pretty good, you know, drug habit. Yeah. But I come out here and I moved to Culver City yeah. with Steve, and we're going to write a screenplay. That's the deal. Okay. So we, we're writing together, and we don't get along, and, like, we finish it. I don't remember the timeline, but I remember once I got out here, I wanted to do comedy. So I thought I was auditioning at places. So I went, I remember I went to, I did like a, a, it was daylight out and I did some sort of mic at the improv. And there was a guy, what the guy was that little guy's name who used to run it. He was kind of a cunt. And I thought I was auditioning for something. Yeah. So I did that there. And then I came here to audition. Right. But that kind of was an audition. You know, I, I didn't realize it, but I, I went on was for it a Mitzi. Potluck or is it? Yeah, it was. A, yeah, it must have been a potluck. But, yeah. you know, I Mitzi was there and I went up and did it. Right. And then like it just I just it just went away. Like I didn't I didn't do comedy. I wrote this screenplay okay. with Steve and I was doing PA work. Yeah, I got into some network of PA work. And okay. so like I there was like uh, I did PA for this uh, children's songs video that they shot at circus vargas a docked circus vargas okay and so you weren't doing any stand-up in any of this time no okay i just wanted to be a stand-up so then uh -huh. what happens is 
I get a PA job working on some fucking thing Mitzi's producing. She's trying to put together this comedy channel. Right. So she's shooting all these sketches and shit. And she was, it was a headquartered, the production office was across the street when she had the restaurant over there. It was called Barrymore's. She owned the place where the House of Blues used to be and is now where that hotel is. It was this, there was an old house there that John Barrymore used to live in that she had made a restaurant. But the production office for this thing was there. So I get a job as a PA just by coincidence. Right. For this thing, Danny Stone's walking around. He's fucking Mitzi at that time. And, you know, like, you know, Charlie Barnett's around. All the weirdos okay, from the yeah. store shooting videos and shit. And I don't even remember what my job was. But I remember I saw Mitzi. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, shit, this is my uh, my shot, you know. And I said, do you remember me, Mitzi? I auditioned for you. And she went, oh, yeah, you're funny. You should be a doorman. Go talk to Becker. Wow. Okay. So, so that's how you got the job? Yeah, so I go talk to Becker, and and uh, and and he and I said, Mitzi said I should talk to you about being a doorman. He's like, Yeah, how would you like to be head doorman? I'm like, Okie doke. Wow. So just from zero to one hundred, real. Yeah. Just Why is going. it though? Is that a real gift to be head doorman at the uh, time? As as, cap- as uh, appointed captain door guy, no, it's yeah. not. <laughs> Do they have a head doorman still? Uh, I unofficially, I am captain door guy. You got a schedule? Uh. I am scheduled. I don't. I don't no. make the schedule. No. Oh. Did was there a manager at the time, like besides Mitzi? Not re- kind of. There was this guy. This uh, I think he was a Thai guy. Uh, she, Kirk. She, who? Kirk. Yeah. Kirk. Yeah. And his uh, sister or his wife or somebody. Like there were two. It was. <laughs> he yeah. always hired Thai bartenders. Kirk. And, and because so yeah. But no. But there were like I, the head door guy. I had to schedule the door guys. So like I step oh. in and she, it was right at the time where she was opening a, a, a comedy store at Universal City in the Sheraton. Oh. So she's like, yeah, I get everyone blazers and, you know, like, so I'm running around Chinatown trying to get outfits like to the for, fa- to make fabric. sure everybody, <laughs> yeah. to make sure everybody's got black pants and a black jacket. You know, I thought that was my job. It was, who were the door guys? Mitchell Shane, Rodney Blackman, who was like one of the only wow. non-comics in history. Uh, um, Jay Pope. Uh, Mike Jaselka, uh, who else was around? God damn it. But so it was sort of my job. Were, were they all your age? Or were they older? Were they working there longer than you? Not they, really. Not really. Resent you getting this? No, dude. Who wanted that job? Yeah. You know, we everyone just wanted to be a comic. John Nicaforis, but he wasn't a door guy anymore. Schubert was not a door guy anymore. So the way the store worked at that time, yeah. Christopher Wheel, that was another guy. Christopher Wheel, who went on to direct movies, but he was a door guy too. So I'm getting everybody jackets and I got to make schedules. But <laughs> the way the store worked at that time was that there was a regular backdoor guy, Fat Ralph, and he would sit there on a, on a chair next to that payphone back there. So there's a lock guy. There was a payphone. There was a payphone in that back, in that back hallway, right oh. in between when they had two bathrooms. Yeah. The payphone was there and there was a stool there. And it would just ring or... Well, no, you could use you, it. You could use, yeah. People yeah. were talking, and the show would be going on in the whatever. ER. It was just a payphone, yeah. yeah, for yeah, whoever needed to use a payphone. But Ralph would sit there, and then there was a lock guy, yeah. and then there was one guy for the OR, yeah, and then there was like probably two or three guys for the main room, yeah, and that was just that was it. And no one in the belly room was the belly room doing shows yet. Yeah, well, that belly room at that time was for non-paid regulars. Uh-huh. So you know, when you were a door guy, you were a non-paid regular. Yeah. So that was the way that worked. And you could only work in the belly room. So uh-huh. their door guys would run shows up there. Right. You would get booked. She would book you. She would, you know, and you would have to book it out with door guys right. if you were going to host up there. That's my recollection. Because I remember one time in order to get on stage in the belly room, 
I had an audition for Christopher Wheel, who was just another non-paid regular, to be a non-paid regular. And I remember there was nobody in the fucking room. Christopher Wheel used to do a show. He used to do an act where he had a banjo. Oh, great. Where that he had an applause light built into it that he could push a button and an applause light wow. would light up on the banjo. He was a nice guy. But I remember, you know, I, he said, so I said to him, I said, so I got audition for you to be like a non-paid regular. He's like, I guess so. And there was no one in the room. It was just him sitting there and me on the belly room stage. Yeah. Yeah. It so wasn't that, during a show. It was just like. Well, that was the show. Was, it, you don't, oh, you, there was just no one that came to the show. Well, it was difficult because yeah. at that time, like they were, they were probably doing two night, at least two shows a night yeah. on the weekend in the main room. Like they started doing now, maybe yeah. three. It was crazy. And the OR was always just a continuous show. Mm-hmm. But in order for us to get people up there, we had to tell people or you had to drag people up there after they saw the show. Right. Yeah. We do that sometimes still for our Wednesday show. Come every other Wednesday in the belly room up next for the door guys. It's just sort of like more comedy. And we dragged them up there. Yeah. They'd be like, what? Come on, yeah. just come up. And sometimes they'd, be, yeah, they'd yeah. be like, where am I? Because it wouldn't have started. Yeah. We'd have to wait to get people in there and be like, no, 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 hang out and get yeah, on yeah. stage. Right. But uh, yeah, so that was my recollection of that situation. And um, so no managers. That's so interesting. Like no one besides Mitzi. No, like, Kirk would just get charge. mad because like he had a bunch of clowns running everything. And, you know, sometimes he'd be like, wait, how come no, no, Kirk? How come no, Ralphie? I'm like, I don't know, dude. He's like, you had door guy. And I'm like, sorry, I'm doing the voice. But, <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, it, it just sort of like, like, I don't know where these guys are. You call them. You, you know, no. it was just crazy because like no security mm-hmm. you know you, you and, and we just had to manage shit and it was chaos everywhere because at, at the time you know kennison was around yeah he was just breaking dice was just so, breaking yeah so kennison was a door guy before that was right well that did was you ever the thing work with him no it was way before okay. but it was that was the legacy yeah. like when he he was on the road when i took the job and yeah. you know, he came back he's like i was a door guy you know so i then i realized like i'm part of some kind of history yeah and then you kind of get into that like who were door guys right you know this must mean a good thing for me mm-hmm. so that was the way it worked and we just run in like three or four guys in the main room and they were hustling tables it was ridiculous these guys would be like there'd be an empty room yeah and people would be online and they'd come in to be seated, and they'd start seating them in that back part. Yeah, sure. Yeah. And they're like, what about those seats? And they're like, nah. <laughs> But the entire room? A little, yeah. The little. entire room? Right. She gets so mad Mitzi did. Yeah. And then we just spend most of our time just being afraid Mitzi would show up. I, I had a question about Mitzi, and maybe it's a bigger You think question. maybe if there's an audio studio, you get you know a new table and better chairs? <laughs> I don't know whose job that is, but both of them are squeaking. I don't want to bust balls, but go ahead. Did this not come up with Peter at all? No, I don't know. Maybe he was holding it. Oh, you want me to tell Peter? It would be nice. All right. <laughs> wow. Okay. I mean, uh, we're talking like $12. Yeah. That, that's, these- that's 100% correct. Okay. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, you, I do like how you will often complain and go, we need two things. We need a mic and a stool. <laughs> yeah. And half the time it's broken. broken. Here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's because at the end of the night, all the comics are slamming the mic up and down. That yeah, but it's like, still there, like $100. Yeah. Um, Mitzi was super intimidating, I know, but who was more intimidating? Was it Lauren Michaels or was it Mitzi? Who, well, who Mitzi, had, like... because I, you know, every you when you like, I moved into Crest Hill. Like, I was in Culver City. I got the job as a head door guy. Mm-hmm. It was too far to oh, drive. Yeah, and and you know, my friends were like, you know, pushed me out because you know, Pete Berg, you know, he, my friend Steve wanted Pete to live there, and I was sleeping on the couch. It was mm-hmm. sad. And then like, you know, I moved down the hall because some chick down the hall needed a. A roommate, and then I tried to fuck her, and then you know there was an intervention, and so, and that's when, and then like, <laughs> it was all sad. Yeah, 
that's when like Mitzi was like, you can live up in the house. And Mike said, you can live up there. You got to pay rent and whatever. And I'm like, I don't care. Fine. So I moved into Crest Hill, mm-hmm. you know, which, and that was just gypsies. We we're all just like, I didn't know how to behave like a person. I didn't know how to look for an yeah. apartment. How old were you? At 21, 22. So like, wait, let's see. A6. Yeah. I was 22 probably. Yeah. Um, 22, 23. Yeah. Maybe I turned 22 when I and got. How many other guys are living there? Well, when I got up there, I guess like it was weird because I mean, I know Todd, the sound guy was there, but eventually Todd Lemish moved in and Tamayo lived upstairs yeah. and Schubert lived up front for a little while. And Nancy Redman was there for a while. How many rooms were there? Well, there was the two upstairs yeah. and then there's one, uh, there's I've never been. Yeah. Well, there's two upstairs and then there's a front room and actually there's kind of three up there, I think. Because there's, uh, you know, maybe three upstairs, and then there was the one off the kitchen where I lived downstairs, and then there was the one in the middle downstairs, and then there was a basement. Oh my god! Um, but I lived in Dice's old room. That was also part of it. You entered this mythology. You entered this legacy system where you start to realize, you know, who came before you and who had worked there. I mean, I'm there in 1980s. I guess it was 86, 87. Is that right? Maybe. Uh, 81, 82. Well, when did you graduate? 84, 85, 86, 86, 87, 86, 87. So, so you're entering it like a little over 10 years from the beginning of the place, right? But like, you know, like supposedly Yakov lived up there, Dice Mm -hmm. lived up there. You know, there was a, and and it was this kind of world of, of, uh, of guys that we're all kind of outcasts and rejects and weirdness. But like, you know, we looked at Mitzi as sort of, Oh, we just wanted to be accepted here. Like it was like this kind of um, evil mother figure yeah. that, you know, we were just operating to get approval from uh, the few times you'd see her. But you usually just were hoping she didn't show up. Did she come by? She would Yeah, by? she'd come by. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, and to like, do what? Like just to watch. It was her place, you know. But during the day, like eventually I had to get a, I had to be a runner because I wasn't paying rent. And like I was just spending money on drugs and hanging out with Sam and ruining the house up there, so I had to, you know, I had to drive the jeep for a while. I had to go pick her up her chicken salads at Chin Chin and yeah, shit. Right. I was working the phones. I was driving the jeep. Yeah. I was working the door. Yeah. Uh, working the lot, which I was terrible at. <laughs> so yeah, was it as busy the lot as it is today? Like, yeah, of see, course. And you see like the nice cars run, go. I just remember one time, you know, like I remember like and we're all coked up, and I was like, I didn't, I didn't give a fuck about, you know, like it was just like it was just a burden to be yeah. a door guy, and because we were just running around doing blow and hanging out. And it was just crazy. And no one was, there was no bosses. Yeah. I'm Becker, poor Becker. Did you get trained on the job by anyone? Did any like other door guys say like this? Is yeah, I think they're like, maybe. Head door guy. Yeah, I think Rodney was, we figured it out. What's there to do? I mean, apparently like a bunch of stuff that you were like, I don't know how to do any of this. Well, you know, but, you just seat the room and yeah. you get tips and then, you know, and that's that. Okay. Right? I, yeah. I mean, I guess there's nuance, but that's the big points. I think. I don't remember, man. I just remember standing at that front. I remember holding that rope. Yeah. I remember, you know, like I, <laughs> some parts of it are kind of, kind of uh, hazy. Yeah. But, but, yeah, uh, yeah, but like, I remember one time. The rules, right? You no. Do drink minimum? No. None of No. Them? I don't remember telling anybody anything <laughs> other than how many. <laughs> what the, wait, the server had to do that. I didn't do any of that shit. It's like, what? 
<laughs> but but uh but I just remember one time like Lenny Clark came up to me. Yeah. Like he's like, Why is my Mercedes out front running? And I'm like, Oh fuck. I left it out there. I was moving shit around. <laughs> Everyone's coked up and you're just like, Yeah, that's so I go to get his car. Um well, not everybody, I was. Was the whole place busy it was busy then? It was because yes. it was the heyday. Well, it's busy. Yeah, it was. It, I guess it was the heyday. It was certainly kicking. Yeah. You know, at that time, you what know, the big guys who was selling out the rooms and stuff. Well, in the main room, I remember, you know, Dice, mm -hmm. Sam, mm -hmm. Damon Wayans, and um, Sam always Belzer. Yeah. Well, the big night for Sam was Mondays because it was no cover night. All the rooms were free, and it was crazy. Yeah. Crazy in the even, late 80s. Even the main room. Yeah, and was it one continual show or was it two shows? I don't fucking even remember. Wow, I just know that like all of the porn world, all of the hair metal world, uh -huh. all of the fucking drug world just converged on this place, on and it yeah, and it was crazy because like you know you could feel Sam coming from a few miles away. He'd show up at eleven eleven thirty to do the main room, and it was uh -huh. just nuts. And that's when the party would start at Crestal Monday night, go to like Wednesday or Thursday. Oh my god! And my job as the head door guy was to take 300 400 from Sam and go buy booze and cigarettes and mixers and shit get that place set up for the circus wow and what you wouldn't do you wouldn't get blow for everybody too or no he everyone? brought the blow yeah cuz like cuz that would be at the store so like who are the big like were there people like hanging out there like every night like Recently, celebs hanging out like uh, Tarantino's been hanging out. I saw you. There's a picture of you and him like shooting the shit in the back. They were around, but you know, like not very. They were, like later after I left, I, I think that Sean Penn and Billy Idol were kind of around, but you know, I was not inner circle, but I was close. Yeah. You know, I was, you know, I, I like doing Sam's Coke. I mean, the story of yeah. me meeting Sam, you know, when, when he was giving me the speech, you know that story, right? Uh, I'd love to hear it again. You do? And so would my listeners. Oh, really? Yeah. Do you have listeners? Uh, I was one person's most listened to podcast of their year, so that's pretty cool. One guy, yeah. So <laughs> for that guy, Big Bad Brad, yeah. <laughs> so the uh, the burn money story. Oh sure, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, like he, like I wasn't even a Kennison fan, and him and Carl were out on the road, and I met Carl first. Yeah, and Carl was like, "You're the head door guy, huh?" I'm like, welcome. He gave me a watch. He's like, it's just a gift. I'm like, Ugh, if I'd only known that that watch was going to take time off of my life, but. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I remember when Sam the first time I met Sam yeah should we shut the door yeah can you close that door John I was trying to be slick about it but the first time I, I met Sam like uh, like he come back from the road mm -hmm. and you know and it was like you know the, you know, he's like you're the head door guy I was, head, I was a door guy and I'm like whatever and I'm like we go up to Crest Hill me and Sam mm -hmm. and you know this is where he's doing it man he's gonna like you know Give me the fucking. He's gonna uh, uh, try to uh, indoctrinate me, you know. Sure. So we're just sitting there. Pulls out all this blow, and we're doing blow. Yeah. Me and Sam one on one at this big table. He's like, look me in the eye, Marin. Can't trust a man doesn't look you in the eye. Yeah. So I'm like looking Sam in the eye. We're doing coke. Texas preacher shit. Shit. Oh, totally. Yeah. yeah. He's like, you ever burn money? I'm like I haven't. So. <laughs> So he's like, you know, he's like, I'm going to help you out, man. You know, I'm going to teach you something, you know, like that whole thing. So we're burning money. Sam's money. I'm like, yeah, we're burning money. Doing blow. And looking you in the eye. Yeah, it goes on for a long time. Whatever's going on up there. Yeah. And it's after the fucking place closes. So it's the middle of the night and he fucking wasted. Mm -hmm. And we're coked up. 
and he's loopy and we run out of coke he's like okay get some more coke i'm like okay I do. and uh, he goes well, let's go so we get in my car i had this fucking toyota i think at the time and he's like we're driving he tells me where to go you know he kind of he's like so on crescent heights go on crescent Heights. and then he's passing out in my car and then like he wakes up he's like I, I don't even know you you could kill me and i'm like dude <laughs> dude where are we going man it's, it's like 3 30 in the morning <laughs> so we just go down the street sunset and take a ride on crescent heights and there's an apartment building there's this guy greg who you know i got to know and he's like yeah. <laughs> But this is like first time I meet Sam and the first time I meet Greg, you know. Yeah. Greg was a hairdresser. Okay. And he sold Sam Coke. He's one of the guys. Early on until Sam decided he was cutting his Coke with the pancake mix. And then Greg was out. I don't think he was. but So so <laughs> we get to this house in, uh, in on Crescent Side. This apartment. He's buzzing it, Sam. Buzzing it. And you just hear someone go, hello. Yeah. And Sam's like, hey, it's me, man. You know. Yeah, let us up. You got anything? And it's like, it's, it's late. Dude. Open the fucking door, you know. <laughs> so we go up. We knock on this door, and Greg's like in a bathrobe. He's like, just be quiet. My roommate's sleeping. We go into this bedroom, and Greg's like, I got like a little bit, you know. And, and like Sam opens up this little bindle. He does some coke, and, you know, and then, you know. And then like he goes, you got anything, anything to drink? And, and Greg's like, dude. And... <laughs> He says, all he got is these miniatures. He had miniatures from the plane. Yeah, sure. So Sam just sits down on the floor in Greg's room, and he's drinking this miniature vodka. So he looks kind of like a giant. Yeah, <laughs> right. And he just fucking, like, falls out. You know, he just yeah. passes out. And uh, I'm like, all right, well, uh, cool meeting you. Um, I guess I'm going to go. He's like, you're not leaving him here. Yeah. And I'm like, what do you want me to do? So I get him out of here. I don't want him to pull a Belushi on me. And yeah. I'm like, oh, fuck. So I got to wake Sam up, get him out to the car. That's a struggle. You know, yeah. yeah, and get him back to the house. And so, like, the first night I met him, the, one of the biggest stars in comedy, in comedy, he just passes out on the floor in, in the living room of Crest Hill. And I'm like, I just left him there. He used to do that a lot. He loved sleeping on the floor. Did you did you see that and go, I, I want to do that? Or I yeah, want to be that? him. Oh, you did? No, I'm just sort of like. Or like, this is what I should not do? Or this no, is like, it was just like. Fucking life. Man. That's it. This is my life now. This is my life. I love it. Finally. I'm in, it. Yeah. I'm in graduate school. Ed Dorgan. Yeah, yeah. Cocaine graduate school. <laughs> yeah, and that kind of started that whole ball rolling. You know, there was a lot of interesting, you know, doorman moments, I guess, throughout. Uh, yeah. Uh, how how long did you work the store? It wasn't longer than like a year. No, eight, it was less right? than a year. Less before than a year. Because it took me less than a year to lose my mind. Yeah. Yeah. Well, with, with no structure like that, I can imagine. No structure in Coke. Yeah. And I didn't have to do anything. I lived here. I used to come down here and make coffee in the morning. Yeah. And drink coffee. I'd listen to my new CDs in the OR. I, you know, I just, wow. yeah, I'd be around. I worked the phones. Like I was, I lived here, dude, between yeah. here and Crestal. If sometimes you... I go to a Thai restaurant to have Tum Yum Kung soup because yeah. I thought it would heal me. Yeah. <laughs> There's only so much soup can do. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's bad. If you were in your twenties today, would you want to work here? Don't know. You think it'd be, it's because it's much more like rigorous now. Like there's definitely there's like we have a. Dude, bunch it was of crazy, you know, and it was like, and she was still, you know, mm -hmm. cognizant. Yeah. And there was a thing that hung over the place. There was ghosts. There was insanity. Yeah. And she, you know, you kind of like, you know, you have to leave her. Like I parked in her spot today, and it made me nervous. <laughs> 
Where was her her spot? It had was painted up on that. It thing. says yeah. still says it out there. Yeah. Mitzi only. Yeah, Mitzi only. My God. Yeah. She used to drive up in her Jag and get out with her feathered boas and at night, you know, and she'd be up in that office during the day. You just wanted to avoid her and continue working. Yeah. That's all. Because you if didn't she wanna... saw you, she'd fire you if you were doing anything. I don't that fucking she, know. Like, you know, she told me like, you know, yeah. you're funny. You should wear a scarf. You right. know, so I'm wearing scarves. You know, it's just like <laughs> she saw you, you want, as like we, a beat poet. Well, we something. were getting away with shit. You know, what I mean, she thought like you know we were we were up in that house just yeah. living like just it was like disgusting. Yeah, but it was beautiful, and she would like she thought she was doing nice things up there. She got the kitchen redone one time. She bought us like all this patio furniture, this rattan furniture for the patio. Yeah. We broke it, and you know, we I think we were burning some of it in the fireplace up there. It was like just it was <laughs> dumb, it was animals, animals. Yeah. Wow, that's but so like. It's it's a totally different experience now. Like, would you, if you were in your twenties now, you would you would you be drawn to still working here? You I don't think? know, man. I mean, it's like you know, like all I wanted to do with my life was this, mm-hmm. and I, you know, and really, I was didn't know how to function in life. I came out of here, you know, right after college. Really, I didn't know how to rent an apartment. I didn't know how to do anything. Mm-hmm. I didn't even know what show business was. Yeah, I just knew I wanted to be a comedian. Yeah, I remember one time I had a meeting with a. a writer you know and i you know and i was i like i had some management company was interested in me and i had their card but i didn't i didn't wake up and go oh okay you know and like i you know i had a uh, meeting with a writer you know to maybe write a script on uh, uh, the sequel to what's happening and like you know <laughs> I, someone set me up with this job and with this meeting i'm like i don't what do you want from me i can't write this <laughs> like i i don't know i'll I don't know what I was, but I just knew I wanted to be a comic. But I had no understanding of show business and and no understanding of, of how to function in life. You know, and it took me a long time. I mean, even it just took me a long time. I mean, I, even when I went, left here and cleaned up the first time and started doing comedy again in Boston, I still lived. I still didn't know how to be a grown up or live like an adult. Yeah. So you went back to Boston, not New York after that. Yeah, man. I mean, I, I was psychotic. It took me a long time to shake that, you know, because I had a big falling out with Sam and there's that story about the Satanists and all that. Well, I mean, that. there's something about this place where people hold a grudge and really like, like people, like artists will never work the improv, you know what I mean? And you really, you don't, you kind of don't like the improv. Um, but like, there's something like people here will hold something like Jeff Scott would always hold a grudge. You know what I mean? So like Sam holding a grudge, like makes that's kind of like makes sense. Oh, in the energy of the building. No, I mean, I guess, I mean, Sam tried to, you know, fuck up my career, you know, after like I had a falling out with him, he told all these one nighters, there were one nighters like in Solvang, Johnny Zapp yeah. used to book rooms. Oh my God. I think he still come. he comes here. Yeah. Right? Sometimes. Yeah. That's. And like, you know, Sam put the word out on me. Don't work me. It was just like, you know, he was a fucking oh. monster, you know? That's yeah. That's. Right. And you know, I can't tell that story again. I've told it so many times about him pissing on my bed. Yeah. Right. You know, but like, it was weird though, because like, I always wanted to piss on his grave. I never swept in that bed again. I, let that be known. I, I can't tell you the whole story, but you know, yeah, he yeah. got mad at me and pissed on my bed, and, and right. I, that was the end of it for me here. And I never slept in it. I mean, understandable. Well, it's just like I'm not anyone's. You know, I'm not. No, gonna, of yeah. course. And that was one of the reason he got he got so mad at me. It's just like I knew his breaking point. I would push him. You know, I like to right. push. You push, yeah. <laughs> and and like and it was just it was always crazy. But but like I, I always wanted to piss on his grave. And I was in Tulsa last year shooting Reservation Dogs, and I went right. to his grave. Yeah. And I forgave him. I couldn't pee on it. The good. Yeah. That's much better. 
Yeah, but I mean, in terms of grudges, like, I don't know, man. When I was here, if you, that was the thing. Is like, it was, it's always been dark energy, it feels but like. But it's gone. That's gone. Really? Totally. I mean, you, one of your favorite riffs about the comedy store that I repeat all the time is uh, when people drive by the comedy store for some reason. They don't know why, but they change lanes to get away. Yeah, from there's, the a, there's, a, there's a weird <laughs> suction to it. <laughs> like a, like Do you a, feel that? A, no, yeah, look at that place. It sucks some people in and it repels. But, but when I came in, you did, like either you bought into it or, what, or you didn't. Yeah. And the system was the system. Yeah. And you learned about it's, the system. It's still pretty much like that yeah despite you know learning about how to be a door guy you learned about the system that right. you know, how do you become a regular what do i got to do right. you know what do i got to do for her you know i was driving like i was up all night, for days on end i never had a way to come down that's why i lost my mind and i used to drive uh. guys to, i used to have to get up and drive guys to the airport so they could fly to vegas i remember one time I came down from Crest Hill. I hadn't slept but an hour, you know, to drive the Jeep and take Mendoza and fucking Campanera to Burbank so they could get to the fucking dunes where yeah. she had a room. Right. The comedy store in Las Vegas. Right. You know, and I was fucking out of my mind in like, and they were like, what the fuck? And I'm like, I don't know, dude. And there was no gas in the car and they were just yelling at me. And I'm like, what did I, did I sign up for this? I don't know how I got through it. dude. Was that near the end or is that in the middle? I don't know, man. The end happened, you know, relatively kind of abruptly. Everything just came unhinged. But I was like, I was pretty freaked out, you know. Ugh. Wow. But there was some, yeah. But there were some good times. But it, it was it was crazy. But the grudge thing, like. What were the, I want to hear the good times, though. I want to, yeah. It was all great time. I'm telling you the good times. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, there was nobody that were living this life. You know, and between here and the rainbow and, you know, whatever the fuck was going on, yeah. it was dark, it was weird, but it was the fucking 80s and it was crazy. But, you know, if you were prone to that shit, this was, you know, this was crazy central. Did you have any like golden moments either on stage or off where like you were like, oh, yeah, this is all worth it? Um, well, I mean, you keep saying worth it. It was worth it. Like, yeah, there, but like know, just, all of it. Yeah. It, like even the bad times, it was worth it. it. There was no bad times until I lost my mind. I mean, you know, I, I wasn't, you know, I, but even like the driving to Burbank stuff that, that I guess, but it was just sort of like, you know, I, it, it all felt like, you know, if I can survive it, man, wow. you know what I mean? Like there was a time where, you know, it was just, Sam stole this line from me. It's one of my favorite stories. Like, you know, I remember like, like Schubert and I went out trying, you're always up all night. You're always fucking walking through a haze of hangover and blow and yeah, like okay. sweaty. And we were down on Hollywood Boulevard. I don't even know why. We were going to get something to eat somewhere. Maybe at that weird Russian place. That's long gone. What the hell was that called? I don't remember. Yeah. But uh, we're walking down the street and we turn onto a street and there's this weird magic store, but like not like a, you know, fake shit, you know, kind of, mm -hmm. you know, rings and, you know, yeah, tricks, yeah, yeah. but like one of those black magic stores with amulets and oh, books. Oh, sure. And, yeah. You know, and I just remember like, well, it's a very specific story because I put it in the book. And I remember because Sam stole the line. Like there were these two trolley looking guys behind the counter and I'm looking at crystals and shit. And like in through the door comes this big gangly dude with red hair. And he's like, oh, I didn't know this store was here. This is really cool. You know, and it's weird energy. Yeah. And I'm coked out of my brain. Yeah. Schubert's looking at shit. And then it becomes clear that this guy's got an American flag folded up under his shirt, and he's holding on to it. Okay. He's like, I really like this stuff. And oh, man. one of the dudes behind the counter just, like, locks eyes with this guy. And I'm, like, tapped into another frequency, you know. And he looks at this guy right in the eye and goes, you're acting too weird. You have to leave. 
And the guy goes, whoa, okay. And, <laughs> and leaves, right? So there's like energy in the store. So yeah. I kind of amble up to the counter and uh, I go, what's the validity of all this magic shit? You know, and and yeah, I'm completely, I'm, I'm, I'm psychot psychosis. Yeah. I'm psychotic. Yeah. I'm hearing voices in my head. I think every, nothing oh. happens by coincidence. You know, they're gutting the, the Sunset Tower at the time. So right. it's this big empty thing. And I'm sure that, you know, when they finish it, it's yeah. going to signify the end of the world. I mean, I'm out of my mind. I'm just sitting on this fucking Whoa. patio, just like, yeah, man. Because if you look at the top of the Sunset Tower, right. there's like an altar structure. Sure, yeah. And I'm like, that, there's that old, like, yeah, it's haunted. And it's like built by. No, know, but like there's an altar up there. Yeah. And I'm like, something's going to happen up there, you know? Um, oh, yeah. So so I'm at this magic store. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I'm at this magic store, and I walk up to those guys behind the counter. One of them's not talking, and one of them's a little closer. And I'm like, what's the validity of all this shit? You know, these books and these crystals. Yeah. And this guy looks at me, and he goes, don't open any doors you can't close. Whoa. And I'm like, oh, I think I'm too late. You know, so... <laughs> So I go tell Sam that story and he just fucking steals that line. Don't open any doors you can't close, man. Yeah. But uh but yeah, so there was that story. That's a that's a good that, that's yeah, those are those golden moments. But the thing was is because of how out of it I got and how fucked he how you know, he fucked my brain up and and the system fucked my brain up yeah. and that you know, I it was my whole sort of psychological and spiritual life was the mythology of this place. Mm -hmm. You know, and it was pretty because it, it has a deep. Even then, I guess it was a deep, rich history, and like it really, this place still has very much. Well, it's just there was a system, people, dude. Yeah, yeah, and it was that, a it, that people yeah. can glom onto and easily like see that the system, and so you can not yeah. worship the system, but study. And, well, that was what was weird to me when I came back around in like 2002, and Tommy was here. That you know, like he was, he was implementing it. Mm -hmm. Her system, even yeah. when she started to lose her mind, and I was sort of like, "Wow, it's still happening." That's when you came back as O two. Yeah, and but but all I wanted was to get my name on the fucking place and and be a regular. I mean, non paid could sometimes like you guys. Mm. One time, Tamayo brought me on stage. Mm -hmm. You know, who was Sam's ex girlfriend because she didn't have an act, and I, and she was like, "This guy is sort of like Sam Kennison, but he's not Sam." And so I just remember that first <laughs> spot in the OR. Sure. And how terrified I was of the OR, so even when was, I came where back. Where was Potluck then? Potluck was in the OR, right? It was, And yeah. that was for door guys and stuff, right? Kind of. I mean, it was more for the weirdos. Yeah. It, not The belly guys. room was for door guys. Ah. Even, so on Monday, you try to get people up there? Monday, like, Todd ran it. Okay. And just would would put there was on show, just like a Monday, Monday was like show. yeah but then it was no cover night it was just became crazy and the yeah. pot like yeah there was always like that line of people like yeah. you know wearing chef's hat or garbage bags or whatever the fuck <laughs> the, is that the, yeah you know with, with uh were with there were birds there ringer shows was that no even that thing? didn't didn't exist no didn't there was no comic produced shows there was no comic produced show I feel like now there are so many comedians like there's just no I mean that that whole world always... happened after you know there was no way to do comedy if, except in a comedy club when I was starting out yeah like either wherever you lived you know you you start but was that what, was this place like packed with comedians where you're like oh my god there's so many comedians well look or in the you... hallway yeah I mean look at the pictures yeah, I guess that, yeah, that's true. The Gallery of Sadness to steal yeah. a line from Mark Maron. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if there were as many, but or, or uh, as many had outlets like they do now. Were, but, but there was a lot of comedians. Like, the, oh, our, there were there was comics a, like hanging on? Were they like sneaking yes. into places they shouldn't, like going to sacred ground and getting kicked out or whatever? Sure. Yeah. 
Yeah. What do you mean sacred ground? Back, you know, in the back where people smoke. Yeah, well, kind of. I mean, you know, but, you know, there was a lot of hangers on with people. Like a lot of people, Becker used to call them satellite comics. There were some people, uh, you know, like Dice had satellite comics. Sam had satellite comics. Right. Eddie Murphy had satellite comics. Like, you know, Dice, you know, my joke about Dice was you don't want to hang around Dice too long, you get a nickname. You know, like, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah. Hey, look at here comes Muffin Head. What's yeah, up, Muffin? Yeah, sure. You know, Did like, you ever have a nickname? No. Dice name? No. Oh, okay. He just calls you Marin. But, uh, like, Not Scarf. No. He had Cheesecake. That was the chick. He okay. had uh, Hot Tub Johnny. Okay. Uh, was his buddy. Schubert was Jumpstart, I think. Oh, wow. Because Schubert started in Dice's orbit and then mm-hmm. ended up in, in Sam's. Because mm-hmm. Schubert, when I met him, was trying to uh, recover from a motorcycle accident. Right. I but he's um, still trying to recover. Yeah, well, I was there when he got the cast off, and he didn't go to physical therapy. He got the cast off. It was too soon, and he had fucking pins in his leg, and he had to go back and, and get the cast back on again, and then he never went to physical therapy, and now he's got that limp. Yeah. But I was there when that when he was had the cast had on. Had the cast on. Wow. When he got it off. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but this, the, the, the thing was is that my problem ultimately was – you know, from that period is that because of the psychosis, you know, and the way I saw LA and the way I saw the comedy store as part of this darker mystical mm-hmm. universe, it took me a long time to shake it. Like, like I tried to get sober many times and I stayed sober for a year and a half, you know, year, after, year and a half. You, yeah. When I left Boston here, you know, I, time. when I left, yeah. Here, I was like, I was literally thought I was being chased by dark universal forces. Like, I drove. You weren't not. Sure, we yeah. all are. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but you. But, uh, I mean, you in particular. That seems like you were. Like, like we all are. It's gonna, you know, it's but dark yes. energy here. That's yeah, right. That was that was really like chasing you. If you believe that, but some people were just coming and doing their comedy, and they were sort of like, I don't, I don't know how people. I don't know how people can just... Dude, I had a woman come visit me who I used to fuck in college who, like, was... You know, I was out here in the middle of it, Mm -hmm. and we were up at... uh up at the house doing blow, staying up, playing mm-hmm. guitars, fucking bacchanal, you know, whatever you want to call it, for days, right. you know. Sure, a it, was, perfect. it was crazy what was going on up there. You know, women were coming and going. It was yeah. nuts, dude. And I just remember, man, you know, saying to her, like, you were saying to everybody at some point, like, man, this is awesome. Nobody fucking lives like this, right? So this chick leaves, and like weeks later, she wrote me this letter of concern. And she says, when you said nobody lives like this, she <laughs> says, I don't know that anybody really would want to, Mark. I don't know if you know There's what. There's a reason. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> Fuck that normal people shit, man. So, but the truth is, you know, the drug dealer told me I had to leave. Which is, you know, a good indicator. Wow. Your drug dealer, like, cut you off? Like, I'm, didn't cut I'm, me off. Like, he I'm was worried part, about you, man. Basically. Yeah. He said, look, you know, because I, I got marginalized by the group. And it was, like, devastating. Like, you know, Sam yeah. cut me off from the Sam juice. Yeah. And I was like, oh, no. And, uh, and so I left. And I, you know, I got, I, I got, I went into rehab for a month. And then I went to Boston to uh-huh. kind of start over. But the point being... Like, I would come out here for stuff. You know, all I ever wanted was to be a regular. Yeah. And I wanted to have my name on the wall. But when I'd get out here, I could feel the fucking vibe again. And, like, you know, Mm. it would all kind of re-trigger. Like, it took a long time to to fucking shake that. Yeah. And I didn't get past until... It was weird because it happened sort of the same way that I got the doorman job. Yeah. It just... No. I was in... Or... No, it was 95. 
Tommy was. It was it wasn't when the bookers were like this guy George was the booker and a guy named Dean. You know they uh, Dean Polly's friend. No, no different Dean. Wow, Polly was like twenty. I, well, I guess yeah, that's way early. Huh? This was when Polly was starting. Yeah, you know he was just coming around. You know, wearing hats, he had a composite headshot with a lot of pictures of his face. Yeah. Um, and so no, I went to Boston mm-hmm. and and learned how to do comedy. You know, I came in second in a competition in 1988, and that's when I started working as a professional comic, mm-hmm. doing one nighters, doing road work. Right. Yeah. And I kind of stayed sober-ish, you know, and then I moved to New York in 89, but I had to go back to Boston to make money, mm-hmm. you know, because I couldn't get into the clubs in New York. And I was and in New York. still doing one-nighters all around the Boston Yeah, area. and doing some, From you New know, York. yeah, but like doing one-nighters was, you know, it was a two-man show. So you had to do a half hour to open. So I never really opened it at some, like, road hotel, clubs. Ballroom or yeah, those kind like of things. VFW. Or sure, like, discos, yeah. ballrooms, yeah. bowling alleys, all yeah. that shit. But there was there was a whole network of that in Boston. That was how you could you could live off of it. You could make enough money okay. off the clubs and the one-nighters because there were two or three companies, Barry Katz's company, Mike, Clark company, Mike yeah. Clark's company, the Comedy Connection had a company. And, you know, you just drive anywhere from an hour to five hours to open for somebody. I, I had a bunch of gigs opening for a R-rated hypnotist, sure. Frank Santos. Yeah, yeah. I think he Make might people be, like drop their drawers, take that their kind, pants, kind of. Yeah. yeah, but they'd only do what they would do if they were awake. But it got kind of funny. But um, <laughs> but the point being, like, so I eventually ended up in New York, and I got a job on Comedy Central doing that short attention span theater yeah, gig, right. and that was like ninety four, ninety three, ninety four. So I'm in the, at the Aspen Comedy Festival. Mm-hmm. At that time, I'm probably a strong feature. Because uh, I eventually moved to, uh, I was living in San Francisco part-time, and I guess I started headlining around that time in the mid-90s-ish. Did you live in San Francisco? Because I remember you running around. I did. Like, Patton well, and Blaine and like. Well, yeah, because like. Proops and. Right. Well, I was in New York and I couldn't, you know, I was living on the Lower East Side yeah. and it was, I was only working a couple clubs, the old improv for Silver mm-hmm. and Barry Katz's Boston Comedy Club. I couldn't get into the cellar. I couldn't get in a catch. And it was just like, you know, relentless, you know, just mm-hmm. trying to get on, get on. And like all my, uh, I had peers who were working there, Louie and Nick, DePaulo, mm-hmm. they were getting, but I couldn't get work. And, and I, eventually I, I eased back into drug use and I was like, fuck it, I got to get out of here. So again, how I packed you, up. How long was that stint in New York? Yeah, uh, I, a couple well, of years? Let's see, 88, 89-91. Yeah, a couple of years. Mm-hmm. And eventually I was like, I gotta get out of here. And I, you know, gave my bed to the guy across the hall who was sleeping on the floor. And I gave all my kitchen shit to homeless people who were selling it on the streets. And yeah. Packed up my car and went to San Francisco and showed up at my girlfriend's door, who I'd broken up with. And I was like, I need to live. <laughs> and I got to San Francisco. <laughs> <laughs> around the uh, same time that me and Blaine and Patton all ended up in San Francisco within weeks of each other. Yeah. And at that time, a lot of people had left the scene. So we kind of reinvigorated it. I came in like yeah. 14th in the comedy f- competition the first year. And then in 92, I think I came in like second, yeah. 92 or 93. And I was living there for like six months and I got a job in New York to hosting that show. Right. And I was going back and forth. It was stripped. We shoot it, run through on Tuesday, shoot four episodes on a Wednesday. So I was going back and forth yeah. from New York to San Francisco for yeah. six months. And then they renewed it for six months. Then I moved back to New York in like 94, 95, wow. I think is the timeline. But here's the thing about the comedy store is that in 95, I think I was covering the Aspen Comedy Festival for Comedy Central. Right. Yeah. 
doing man on the street shit. Yeah, it's right. fucking worst. And doing stand up, right? Mm-hmm. And Mitzi was there. She had flown out to Aspen. Sure. It was the big like festival yeah. for a while. It was like where people were making yeah, dude. So, specials got sold. So I walk up to her. This is like and she knew what was going on with me, man. She knew me. And then so I hadn't been at the store since eighty seven, right? Mm-hmm. And uh so it's a long time. And I walk up to her in Aspen and I see her sitting at the table. I'm like, Mitzi, it's Mark Marin. Do you remember me from the Again. door? Right. <laughs> And she goes, I remember you. And I go, can I be a regular? Can I do spots, you know? Yeah. Because I'd gone on. Yeah. She goes, yeah, just tell Becker you can work it. <laughs> and you got to wear a scarf when you do. That's how I got passed. Yeah, that's really funny. Isn't that crazy? That's full circle. Kind of. But every time I come here, like, you know, still, it took a long, and then when I moved back in 2002, mm-hmm. I, you know, my name preceded me, so I already had a reputation. So, you know, Tommy, and I told Tommy that I'd been passed, and, you know, he bought it. And, you know, but also I was Mark Marin, And at yeah. that time, my book, Jerusalem Syndrome, had been making the rounds. So, yeah. like, I, I was sort of legendary somehow Yeah. amongst you guys. Well, you're the thinker. You're, you're our thinker. Right. I was the door guy. I was yeah. the door guy. Though. Yeah. But, you know, so Tommy gave me spots, and, you know, and they were good spots and whatever. But I didn't get my name on the wall until fucking duncan trussell yeah when he was booking yeah he got my name on the wall well i i heard a story that no one's name had been put on the wall for a long time because they were just the store was just too cheap and kirk fox got passed and wanted his name on the wall and they told like it was either mitzi or someone told him like you can't have anyone's name on the wall you can't have your name on the wall till everyone who got passed is on the wall so he paid for everyone's name to go up on the wall so he could get up on the wall too. I don't know. Maybe it was because uh, I know the guy used to paint him. Yeah. I don't know if he died or he quit or whatever. He, one of those. Yeah. There used to be a guy who was a comic that used to do all the fucking, you know, handiwork around. Greg Hilbers. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I've seen that name somewhere. He's in a, he's in a yeah. picture in yeah. the fucking hallway. Yeah, that's right. He was, he was hanging around that here. Job to, that job, though. Yeah, he used to be. Do, he, we, he, you'd always see Hilbers during the day painting shit. Doing work around the place. Yeah, that's one way to get past. Yeah. For sure. Um, Were there any, like, paid regulars that you were in awe of besides Sam? Oh, yeah. Who who was like, who were like, that's that's good comedy? Damon. Damon Wayans? Cool. Totally. Yeah. What what was it? What about it was, like, enamored? He didn't give a fuck. Yeah. And he would just like do like long bits. He'd do characters, and he would, you know, he would like he, people think, you know, on certain nights, they didn't care if the audience liked him. So he would be one of those guys. That's he would, powerful. Oh yeah, it, that's a big lesson to learn. Yeah, that's so hard. How to sit in that? Yeah. It's not that hard. You just, you it, it just takes forever. You just gotta yeah. not be afraid of bombing. Yeah, you feel that sweat, or if, you, but some guys would do it on purpose. Push them away on purpose, yeah. and Sam did that. Mm-hmm. You know, defied them to laugh. Yeah, right. And and Damon could get pretty far out there, mm-hmm. and he'd be like, "I said, what are you gonna do now? You gonna do regular set?" He's like, "No, nah, I'm gonna do jazz set." <laughs> I always liked watching him. Uh-huh. It was it was sort of a spectacle to watch Dice before he broke because he broke a little like both him and Kennison sort of broke close yeah. to near each other. Yeah, I think they were on. The Rodney thing, either the same episode or a year apart. Young comedians or what? It was Rodney Dangerfield special. Oh yeah, but to oh, see yeah, Rod, right. to see Dice when he was you know just coming into that thing, 
the spectacle of him with that jacket yeah. and the cigarette and the whole thing in the main room, it was something. Yeah. It was something to watch. And yeah, and you liked you you bought into it. You it wasn't a matter of buying it. I, I always thought the jokes were silly, yeah. and, and but it was you know it was show business. Mm -hmm. You know he was doing a thing. Yeah. Um, you know Belzer was always fun because I I just grew up you know knowing who Belzer was yeah. and, and he was here a lot then. I, and I never he, knew him as a comic. I knew him as like Law and Order. Or whatever. No, he was great. He was yeah. he was never a great comic, but he was kind of like he had this thing. Yeah. You know and. <laughs> And that was a good little yeah, yeah. that moment. And I always liked seeing Belzer. I liked Belzer. He was a sweet guy. Um, who else did I like to I was watch? at Caroline's one time, and this little dog comes running down the stairs. My friend, it's like daytime or whatever. My friend goes, who the fuck does this dog belong to? And someone goes, it's Richard Belzer's dog. And Richard Belzer comes walking down. Well, yeah, he started in New York. Yeah. He drove this big Eldorado. Oh, wow. Yeah. In New York. I remember when I was hanging around the store... During the day when um, I remember, I think we were picking up checks. And Belzer was, I just remember, because it was when Argus got out of rehab the last time. The, 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 the been, final time? Yeah. Yeah, wow. And he came to the store. And, uh, and I remember Belzer saw him and he's like, is this an apparition? <laughs> well, and I remember have you ever I was, seen Argus jogging on Sunset? No. He jogs and he's so pale and he wears white, looks like a ghost running down the median on Sunset. Know. Oh, really? If you ever go west at really? midnight, oh yeah, it's freaky. It's pretty weird. Um, wow. So, but I remember being in the office upstairs mm -hmm. where the bookers are. And at the time, like, we we're all so fucked up. My nose was all fucked up. And I bought these, uh, these squirtable vitamin, you know, B, 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 you know, B, B12. Yeah. B12. Yeah. They squirt up in your nose. Oh, no. Because I thought that would help. Yeah. And I remember, like, I was up in the, in the Booker's office, and I'm like doing that, and he's in there, and he's like, "What are you doing?" And I'm like, "B12, man. You want one?" He's like, "I'm not putting anything else up my nose." <laughs> uh, are there any paid regulars today that you're like that you're like really into? Well, the, the thing about the paid regulars back then is I saw a lot of stuff, and the thing about back in the day it, is it, you know, it could go sideways, you know, and it was okay. Like the one thing you miss about the old days is people snapping. Uh -huh. You know, like you, there's certain comics that kind of do it for as an act, and yeah, you know, they're late at night. People but it, keep it pretty tight nowadays. Yeah, they're yeah. afraid. But like yeah. back then, it, it was kind of crazy. Yeah. There were guys around that you know. I'm trying to remember who, like in the OR, you see, like Johnny Dark was around. Yeah, and, you know, Larry Scarano, and like there were these dudes, that, like you know, Karen Haber, Karen Babbitt. There were women, a lot of women around. Janice Hart. Felicia Michaels, yeah, but who, who, like, who did, who did I like watching? Well, I told you a few. Mm -hmm. I saw everybody. Joey Kamen, like, it was weird. Jeff Altman, mm -hmm. um, yeah, Barry Diamond, yeah, yo, yeah, I've seen Barry Diamond, yeah. Uh, but now, do I like watching people? Yeah, because I see you. Not to tell tales out of school. Sometimes you'll go when you like something, you go. Huh. But if you don't like something, you walk out and you go, what the fuck are they even fucking talking about? <laughs> Sometimes I don't know. Yeah. And so you get really, like, 
yeah, you get mad, and then cigar mark comes out. And I'm, I, I, but like, I don't, I don't like when when I'm like snappy. Like, there's no reason for me to be snappy. Everyone's just trying. I mean, but I are still, they? And like, you know, you can. Still I don't know be if critical. they are. Yeah, I don't know if they you are. Can also be critical if they're just getting away with it or not. But I mean, I'm trying to yeah. do new shit as much as possible. And yeah. you know, it seems like some guys. I mean, I use you to open, so like, yeah. I must like you. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like uh, Jesus Trejo is getting funny. Yeah. And uh, I always like seeing. Uh, Mr. You know, He's Mr. Jokes. He does. Yeah. Jokes. I always he like writes. seeing Dante uh, or not Dante. Uh, Sandy. Oh, San Sandy Danto. Sandy Danto. Yeah. Like I don't know what he's doing up there, but I like seeing him. <laughs> that yeah i hear you for that okay like I, I like him on stage i like the whole yeah. vibe yeah i'm not locking in totally with what he's saying but like i i'm waiting for something you know <laughs> yeah but i like him i like him on stage um who else francisco seems to be coming along right yeah uh i used to like watching al magical a lot i miss him yeah uh, as a comic talk about a guy who goes sideways he will punish yeah, it's a great. crowd. It's great. He doesn't yeah. talk to me anymore. I don't know why. Uh, but I've seen him stop a set to yeah. harangue one audience member who was not laughing hard enough. Like, was laughing, yeah. but like, just didn't... Like, yeah, some... but he was a good, good long-form comic. He would really... Uh, he just, yeah, I know, I know. Fuck you and fuck your whole life and yeah, yeah. everything about yeah. you. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that was like, that was... Yeah, you don't, see his, you don't see that stuff anymore. Like, who are some other people that are happening? I don't stay that late. I don't watch a ton mm -hmm. of... I'm staying later than I used to. Yeah, but you're not, uh, you're not so much in the rooms, but you're, like, hanging. But what's really impressive when, about what's like, happening now is that, like, you know, despite whatever anyone's concern was when all the meatheads left yeah was that you know everybody here is a professional yeah and w when audiences come they get a show yeah. whether they know people or not and right. that's and that's pretty great i i think that uh fahim is great yeah everyone, like, every, fahim is everyone's like the comics comic yeah. right now yeah everyone loves him yeah yeah everybody but uh him. but yeah i mean but the thing is you know do you ever see him do lance canstopolis that was a real treat he did a character i don't know if i'm supposed to say it, but like yeah he would he would go up and he'd wear a mullet wig that looked really real yeah and he'd wear a wife beater tucked into a jeans and when was this uh when he started a couple years before the oh. pandemic okay and so and he would go up and he would dance and he's a good dancer and he would dance for like two and a half minutes uh -huh. like the full song it was like <laughs> a long time and then he would crowd work in an accent and it was great oh yeah. wow i yeah. wish i had seen that yeah he, that, I, I would love to see that get brought back yeah that was always fun. um what was i saying though oh uh yeah but like they, like there's like a lot of people that weren't able to sort of take the stage in a mm -hmm. in, in a in a in a real way are, are allowed now you know there there there's no one dictating the course of this place like this place has always been mm. uh vulnerable to big egos and to mm -hmm. star fucking and and right now it's just kind of a level playing field even with the the bigger mm. acts that come in there's yeah. just a respect and there's you know i think a, a pretty varied bunch of comics yeah and i just like you know whether i like anybody or not it's just great that people are coming out you know, and the and the reputation of the place precedes itself, and it still delivers. I think. Yeah, I like. I think Rick Ingram's great. I like watching him. Yeah, he's even he, if he, he delivers every himself. time for yeah. sure. Yeah. Um, did the store specifically like? Did that influence your comedy in any way, dude? Like, it, of like, course. It, you know, it, of course. In what way? 
I mean, like, I feel I'm very loyal to this place in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I've always felt that I was a, a, an appendage of it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, to be your own club, right? But it's, it's not it's deeper than that. Yeah. You know, it's, I have a very weird emotional connection that was born in, in a chaotic youth mm-hmm. and, and fear and, and loathing. And, y- mm. you know, and I used to say I said to Chelsea Peretti once, like when I came back in the, in the early aughts, I'm like, uh, you know, going to the store is like going to where the, the scene of the trauma, you know, like it, it's like, sure, yeah. Where the abuse happened, yeah, right. uh, but There's, it's somewhat therapeutic in that way. Well, no, it's not here anymore, dude. Like, if anybody thinks this, the darkness is still here, it's not. Yeah, and I know that because I, I was a part of it. I was a receptor of it. It's not here, mm. and it was. I mean, the fact that this is a place where you kind of hang out, yeah. like I mean, you know, the nooks and crannies of this place. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just not here. I think it's still there's bubbling under the surface. No like way, dude! Get, like you, really? this place used. to I don't fucking, think it's not even close. This to place what it used was. to have a vibe that was like it was. It was. It was like it felt like it was. I used did to. That, but did, did that change your comedy? Do you think? Did it make you darker? Or of course, I was smart, like I was like under or smarter or like. I was always me, but like you know, I you know once I understood Sam, mm. Tennyson, mm. what it meant to be under his tutelage or under his spell, whatever it was, is that the idea was, you know, to push the envelope. Like, you know, what I learned from being here in general was that, you know, as a comic, you, the reason we do it, the reason I did it was it was not to make money or, or you know, or to get a TV show. It was because this is how I thought I would be able to, to get my point of view, to say what I wanted to say. Yeah. Because comics have the power to reframe things and and blow minds and 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 make people think in a different way and i just thought it was this way and it was immediate but the thing that i learned here and in general is that when you're starting out it's like your job is to do whatever the fuck you want Mm. is that your job is to take chances so you can figure out how you personally are going to own that space up there because when you're on stage, it's yours. So, you know, and, and to not, you know, really know what you can do with that, what your limitations are and what the parameters are is, is a mistake. Mm. So to me, the idea of starting out or to be a non-paid regular or to use that original room, it's to take chances. So you know where you begin and end up there and what you can get away with and what you can do. So when you saw Sam Kennison, when I saw him, you know, create, you know, and he was always like, you know, you know, he was, there's very few people I've ever seen in my life that he could change the energy of a room in a way where you're like, it was menacing. Like you didn't know what the fuck was going to happen. Right. Yeah. It was electric. And, but when he was writing that fucking homosexual necrophilia bit, that was crazy. Yeah. All right. So that schooling was just sort of like, you know, you choose the darkness and you go out in it and yeah. you pull something back that's funny. So like that was what, what I learned. Push the envelope. Like, you know, he knew that most people didn't like that guy. It wasn't like he was everybody's thing. Yeah. I mean, he was a misogynistic, crazy fuck. He probably would have loved Trump, you know, and, yeah. and you know, yeah. he was like pure kind of like just he was like a preacher. But like, and he was demonic, but yeah. you know, ultimately, Turned. yeah, yeah. but he was in total control of it. Right. 
But I remember watching him do that fucking homosexual necrophilia bit. And it was, he was at the core of it with all this menace. He was just dork, this goofy little fuck, little round guy yeah. wearing a dumb hat and a trench coat yeah. waddling around. Long hair, yeah. He was a clown, dude. <laughs> so you have this moment where you realize, oh my God, this guy's a fucking clown. <laughs> and he can do all this. But he was like, you know that bit? Uh, no, no. Oh my God. It's the best bit he ever did. There's two bits that are the greatest bits, and it's got nothing to do with, it's sand, you know, it's going to be sand, you know, or licking the alphabet or putting your head in a bowling bag. His two best bits for my money are his Manson bit and uh, and the homosexual necrophilia bit. And Carl LeBeau had bits. Carl was a genius because he was, yeah. like, you know, functioning as, like, Sam's, you know, arm yeah. or penis. Right. But he used to do this bit, <laughs> Kyle. Did you ever see him do? Well, you wouldn't have because— no. He used to do a bit called uh, The Adventures of Red West, Elvis's Best Friend. And he'd do all these vignettes of, you know, these aging Elvis. You, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. hey, Red, you know, Priscilla uh, needs some tampons. You think you can go run out to the store and uh, get some tampons for Priscilla? And he'd be like, yeah, sure thing, King, sure thing. You know, and he'd walk by his wife and go like, yeah, I got to go get pick up a script for Elvis. You know, and it just was this digression. It was all based on his relationship with Sam, right? Yeah, yeah right. So it would get to this point where it's like, you know, El it's like uh, Elvis would be like, uh, Sam, I... Hey, Red, I threw up on my pants again. I got, <laughs> I got shit on the big E. He flicks something off his belt buckle. But anyways, hold on. So the bit, what, we got to end up? Uh, we're going to end. We're, hold no, on. But the bit was like, the bit was, uh, where he, the thing was, um, he, I watched him build this bit. He had gotten this article about these two guys who were going to mortuaries. Um, yeah. What are you doing? I'm talking to the producer. Sorry. Well, stop it. Yeah. Quit texting him in the middle. You're right there. I know. You should talk. I don't know. I don't I, want I you asked to play him, the bit. I asked him if he wanted me to play the bit. The bit you're talking about, I have it right here. No, because he's on Cause, a No, roll. it's okay. the visual, dude. It's the visual. He's on a The roll. bit's okay. It. But let me just say, it was the visual of it. That's great. So the bit was like, uh, these. he read this article about these two uh, gay guys yeah. who would pay mortuary owners or uh, to have sex with the freshest male corpse. But the bit was like, you know, so Sam lays down on the stage, face down yeah. with the mic. And it's just, it's it's the dead guy, right? And he's like, well, I guess I had a pretty good life. And, you know, it didn't work out everything the way I wanted to, but it was okay. You know, I'm grateful to be seeing my maker now. And then he'd just start rocking. Yeah. And he'd be like, what's that? <laughs> Is that a dick in my ass? <laughs> Does it ever stop? Like I'm paraphrasing. But just to see him and start that, to... You know, that's why we have the squeaky table. Right. But to see him just start rocking, like that was the, like, it was so funny. <laughs> it was so fucking weird and dark. And, you know, yeah, play it. <laughs> I, <laughs> I'm pulling it up. Yeah. Uh, but how do you not learn from that? Yeah. Taking that chance. I read the paper, they said that a group of homosexual necrophiliacs and we're going around to mortuaries, offering them money to let them come in at night, spend a couple hours undisturbed with the Taking freshest male corpse. Well, when they start laughing at the joke, it's because he's rocking. Game, all right? That's when you don't hear. The story I read, folks. <laughs> Jesus Christ, give me a chance to do some journalistic reporting here, will ya? Will ya? 
Now he's going to lay down. Hey, I felt sorry for these corpses, man. I mean, you think death would be bad enough, wouldn't you? I mean, the, the one thing that scares the shit out of everybody is death. You don't want <laughs> to think, think about it. You don't joke thing. about it. You put it out of your mind. But you figure if you faced it, that's it. What could be worse than fucking death? You think I got past death? I mean, you hated it, but at least you lived through it. You know, you got buy it and all that shit. I felt sorry for these corpses because I know these guys were laying out on slabs. They're in there going, well... Is he laying down now? Yeah. yeah. And, uh, well, yeah, it was pretty hard to live up to. And, uh, I have I faced death, and I'm glad I went through it. And, uh, well, I'm just, I'm, now I'm ready to spend eternity in heaven, be with Jesus, and rock of ages. Hey! Hey, what's this shit? <laughs> so that's not an easy bit to pull off. I mean, you think it would be, but yeah. you know, but but there was something about how far out he took it that was a lesson to me. And you know, and also just seeing people push the envelope mm -hmm. was always a lesson to me early on. But then the best lesson that totally demystified Sam and made, and makes me sort of love him in retrospect. Uh, and and forgive him for whatever he put uh, young twenty two year old me through. Mm. Was I was always looking for some sort of key, like you know, like I I don't think I had a very you know strong or grounded sense of self, so I always thought there was some you know trick to it, like you know, like you know, how do you find your voice? I was always hung up with that because I had no faith in my own. And it, when I look back at my comedy, uh, on you know from the early evening at the improvs like eighty nine and stuff, mm. I, I I like I didn't watch it for years, but I'm like I'm me. I just never mm. believed that I had, you know, a point of view or was anything. But I always did, but I didn't know that. Mm. But I remember, you know, Sam used to do a couple of funny impressions, but it doesn't matter what, when we were doing coke. But I remember I pushed him, like, well, how'd you do it, man? You know, how'd you find your voice? Mm. How'd you figure it out? <laughs> yeah. And he looks at me and goes, Gene Wilder. And I'm like, What? Now, if you listen to Sam's build and you like watch Gene Wilder and Young yeah. Franken, I say, yeah, that's the drive shaft. Yeah. And I'm like, and he was aware of it. Yeah. He's like, he watched that yeah. and he saw the tool. Yeah. Who would have ever thought that? So when I heard that, I'm like, oh my God, that's amazing. It was like it was like when I asked Jimmy Miller a million years ago when after I was in Boston, and I, Jimmy Miller is Dennis's brother, and at that time he was okay. he, he's a huge manager now, uh -huh. and uh, you know manages Jim Carrey and Apatow, and okay, big time, yeah, good guy, yeah, but he used to book comedy clubs. Same with his Rich Miller. Rich Rich uh -huh. Miller is Dennis's other brother. He used to book uh, Acme, and he, he's it's, I think he's still in the comedy club business, but they were both booking comedy clubs. But he'd come to Boston. And I was there, and he was in a car with, I was driving, we were going somewhere, because he wanted to go out. And uh, I'd met him because he was booking the comedy club in right. New Mexico, oh, where I grew up. Yeah, right. But it was me and Garofalo and Jimmy in a car. This is before Janine was anything, too. Yeah. And I was doing the same thing to him. I was like, man, I'm just trying to find my voice, dude. You know, your brother figured it out. 
how did you how did Dennis figure out his voice? Yeah. And Jimmy goes, he's doing Belzer. What? <laughs> right, babe? Yeah, babe. Babe. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he was doing Belzer. Oh, yeah. I love Belzer with more vocab. I with, love with shit. Yeah. That's great. So, yeah, everyone is themselves and derivative. Well, you, you can't help but be derivative yeah. for a while, but hopefully you come through. Yeah. Yeah. Mark, thank you so much for being on the pod. That's a great place to end. I appreciate it so much. This was oh good. Thanks, buddy. Big... Thanks for having me. Glad to do the anniversary. Show. Yeah, um, and uh, always much love to the store to yeah. you. Uh, when's the special come out? Uh, February eleventh. Yeah. Okay. HBO premieres okay. at eleven o'clock. Yeah. Eleven o'clock on HBO. Then it'll be on HBO yeah. Max, I imagine. And uh, it's good. called From Bleak to Dark. From bleak to Dark. Are we good? Yes, we're good. Okay, good. Thanks. Yeah. See you next time.